0: There are very few people on planet Earth that have gone through the experiences of my next guests. Anthony Trucks is a miraculous, inspiring, yet simple, very curious, and extremely driven, open book. And today he's telling you about how to become your version of a muse with his own vocabulary as an identity shift coach. Imagine being catapulted into foster care at the age of three, Bouncing off homes, feeling worthless, your mom not wanting you around, the foster care families treating you inhumanely, being tortured, hit and beaten. Until bouncing into a new family home that finally shows you what it feels like to be loved. And after seven years, this all-white family ends up adopting a young Afro-American kid. This kid sucked at American football, but didn't let that stop him. So he ended up in the NFL. This kid failed in marriage and ended up remarrying the same woman, his high school sweetheart. And finally, the same kid failed in business and ended up becoming one very successful coach and having a successful coaching company helping people all around the world make their identity shift happen. So without further ado, my name is Kevin Fernandez. Welcome to Muse. When, when I start off these conversations, the first question, and is usually always the same, the first question for all the podcasts is us or me and the audience trying to understand the person on the other side of the table or in this case trying to understand the person on the other side of the screen miles and miles away and so the first question is really trying to put ourselves in your shoes which is where does Anthony come from what has made you the man that you are today and and why are we actually listening to you today
1: yeah it's a good question uh, I ask almost the exact same question whenever I, I start mine. I say, I say, what? what? We're walking around town. Why? And I sit under the coffee shop. Why should anybody listen to you? Is a question that, uh, <laughs> well, because here's what I think. And the world of, of that we live in, uh, I'll give you a short answer. I'll give you a look medium. I have a lot of craziness I've experienced in life, a lot. Uh, I have, mm-hmm. I've experienced the negative side of a lot of it. And in doing so, I had to figure out how to find a way back to the top of it. And in doing so, I learned a lot on the journey, and so the reason I believe that people should listen to me is because I've I've crossed some finish lines. Everybody talks to the world. A lot of people with social media is what we're doing nowadays. We are all talking to the world. Look at my breakfast. Look at my soup, right? And the reality is, a lot of people don't have much to to really add to the conversation because they don't have much that they've actually accomplished. They haven't finished the, or solved their problems. So for me, I've said, "Hey, I experienced the problems too." Solve the problems. Three, I want to share with you what I did to solve the problem. So hopefully you can avoid this problem. So if you're wondering why you listen to me, it's because I, I've just I've I've run the race. A lot of people are running in different areas, not all obviously, but uh, but I've crossed the finish line, which tells me like, hey, you know what? Maybe I did make a left turn there, but I probably shouldn't have. So you probably shouldn't either. And it becomes of more value to the world.
0: Well, the the first question that really pops into my mind is. By when did you solve the problem? Because now, nowadays people are rushing everything. By age of 25, you kind of need to, to have everything figured out, even like you need to understand yourself from toes to, to head. Yeah. So by when did you actually solve the problem?
1: Well, the thing is, every problem is relative, right? So I haven't, I haven't solved the problem of a billion dollars. Right? I'm not a billionaire. Uh, and that's the thing is like I'm not trying to solve every problem. But every problem has in my life that I've, I've accomplished, like I, I, there's a benefit of somebody from it. Like someone will benefit from that problem, not everybody. So like for me, the relationship, like I figured out how to, how to be a great husband probably about five years ago, right? So it took me a lot of years to figure that one out or how to be a great dad years ago. Uh, business, I figured business out. And once I did that, like I was like, all right, now I'm benefit. Probably about like a good, good four or five years ago, I figured out like the business, you know, conundrum, we'll call it. At those moments, then I'm, I'm of use for the person who wants to build a business at a level my business is at. Again, I don't run a multinational corporation, so I'm not going to be of benefit to the multinational corporations, right? But I am of benefit to a person or demographic or a smaller company because I'm at a place they want to go. So it's, it's a, it's a fluid question. It'll always be a fluid question and as a fluid answer, right? Because I don't know exactly when I've crossed the, the threshold of solving that problem. And then when I do, I go, oh, okay, great. I've done it. Now who would benefit from this?
0: How do you even start by trying to solve a problem? Because nowadays it's this, it's like, it's overwhelming. Yeah. Right. Loads of people want to start a business. They never start one. Yeah. Loads of people want to understand themselves. Well, they are scared of getting too into the deep. Yeah. What is it that actually, what is, first of all, the motivation for, for you to go there and how do you actually do it?
1: I think the motivation is the same for everybody. We all have a desire for what that solving that problem will give us. Right. So no matter what it is in your own head, it's one thing. I think that our desire to have instant gratification is a problem when it comes to trying to do new stuff, because in order to actually answer that question and go, well, what do we have to do to solve the problem? You have to make it small. You can't attack. It's to mm-hmm. attack an entire army. It's better to attack the individual, you know, military people, the individual soldier as opposed to attacking the entire army right because it's like oh i can't but you can i can take out one guy at a time it's why if you think about when like there's like the solo movie and the guy's a, a freaky killer guy he doesn't walk out in the open and go like hey everybody here i am and take them all out <laughs> you know he's sneaking around the building slicing one guy's neck slicing his neck you know like it's one by one you make the you make the army smaller little by little and then what happens is you do better now we in this instant gratification world we want to go out and Kill the whole army it's like my kids they play these video games like you know they, they call a duty they shoot people they're running down the middle of the map going crazy i'm like we're gonna die and they do they keep getting killed i'm like this is why i'm better than you because you go in and you sneak along and you find one guy and take him out find the next guy take him out so there's a thing of where you gotta gotta you gotta look at life and go i need to be calm and under control and I need to attack this and make it a small problem and what it is is you just pull it apart here's the big thing like I want to at least start a business. Great. You can't go, hey, you know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna clear my schedule Friday afternoon and start a business. Like it's, it's not how it works. You don't just clear out an afternoon. The idea is to go, what are all the pieces? It may take you five afternoons just to figure out what all the small pieces of it are. And then you go, okay, great, that's done. Now, of the pieces, one of these is gonna take me three months to get figured out. Cool. The time's gonna pass, anyways. Let me work on this for three months. And then you get done and go, okay, the next one's going to take six months, right? You build slowly, but you make it small. Because if you show up and go, you know what? I want to launch a business. I'm going to get it done. And then you go, I'm going to clear up my schedule Friday. You show up Friday and all of a sudden you're distracted. You can't get anything done. Or you realize this is going to be a six-year thing. Oh, I can't get this done. And all of a sudden you feel like a loser because you didn't get it done Friday afternoon. Well, you just gave yourself an unrealistic expectation and you didn't have the ability to to get it done. So it's like, yeah, you wanted it, and that was the motivation because you saw what it was gonna be, but then you attacked the entire army. You gotta go and take it little by little, make the, the big things small and attack the small things.
0: Decomposing the problem.
1: Yeah, man. Itty bitty bitty bitty.
0: I love that. I I I was wondering, you you've gone through a lot. What would you say has been the one like you call it identity shift. What has been the biggest identity shift for you that has influenced you over the course of the years into the man that you have become today?
1: Yeah, it would have been, it would have been in 2016, because it was it was then in 16 when I I'd, I'd gone through a whole lot of life. Like I you know I, I grew up in like craziness as a kid in foster care and being given away and abused and weird stuff and having a young kid finding my real dad, getting married young. Playing in the NFL, all the cool stuff, and then getting divorced, you know, family falling apart, not being in good shape, just everything went, you know, down the toilet. And then what ended up happening was I woke up and I was like, I, I have all these things going on in life that were difficult. My mom had passed away. Like, I had a lot of things that were not doing too well. And what we do when we're experiencing this stuff typically is we, uh, we do a good job of trying to distract ourselves from the pain. So we'll drink it away, smoke it away, sex it away, right? We'll do all these different things so that we don't have to experience the pain of it. And for me, what I found is like I woke up one day, I was like, I don't like this guy. And the reality is I am the common denominator in all of my problems. It's me. No matter, now here is the thing. Let that sink in. Yeah, it, it may not be that they're all your faults. Let me just make this clear. Not every problem is our fault, but we either are the cause of it or we're accepting it or allowing it and if you have it in your life and you aren't causing it it's it's almost worse to just be allowing it to be in that relationship where you're getting abused and beaten and you know emotionally distraught to be in a job that drains your soul and a boss who belittles you every day like to be in a body that you look at every day and don't love like you're allowing these things and you may not want to think that because it hits the heart a little bit but you're allowing it and so What ends up happening is like a lot of people, they got to get to that point of saying, I got to get out of here. So for me, I did. I was like, I don't like this guy. He's not good in business. He's not a good dad. He's not good in relationships. He's not taking care of himself. Like, it's just not good for this guy. And I went down this path of figuring out what do I have to do for me specific to Anthony to fix this? Like, what is Anthony? Because if I go and try and do what I don't know, you know, Mother Teresa is doing to make her life better or you know, go and do what the president's doing. Like, I'm not going to have it. My life's not going to change. So the idea is like, you got to find out what your specific thing is. And so when I did, all of a sudden life got better. And that for me is like the key. And and that was my biggest shift. It was 20, 2016, man. That's when everything changed.
0: What was it that you needed to do for yourself? Because I guess like, it sounds like you've had different things into your life. And nowadays it's also said that, well, you shouldn't tackle every single problem at the same time.
1: How did you go over, over it? Well, you can actually. I think you can tackle the problems.
0: Okay. I, I think so too. So I'm really happy that, to hear that from someone else.
1: Yeah, it depends on how you live your life. That's the thing. That you can't operate from emotion. Most of us get up every day and we just go. And what I look at is a lot of people are living their life by waking up and saying, what am I going to do today? What what am I gonna tell life that I wanna do today? How do I feel today? And I'll do what I feel. And then you end up getting to a point where you're you're you get to the end of the day and you go, I didn't do anything I needed to do. I didn't get anywhere. And what I look at is life is kind of like running a business like this. If you have a business where you get up every day and you tell the business what to do, like we gotta market, you have to market today, you gotta make these phone calls, gotta do this. One day you're gonna get up and not feel like making a call, or you're going to forget to Pay that person, you know, get to forget to make the marketing the design, whatever it is, you're gonna forget something. And then the business starts going down. Where the reality is the best businesses in the world, they run because the business is designed in a way to tell you what to do that day. So it tells me I gotta get up and I gotta get the fry, you know, grease on for the McDonald's and I gotta make sure that the, the hamburger things warmed up and I gotta open the door and I gotta mop the floors. It's every day telling you what to do. So all of a sudden McDonald's runs like a like a machine, right? Well, for your life, it's the same thing. If you need to work on your health and the relationship and the business all at the same time, well, great. When you schedule your life, you should wake up and your life and your planner should go, Hey, get, get a workout in fatty. It's time to get a workout in, right? Hey, go take your, your, your wife or your girlfriend or your boyfriend out on a date because it's date night. And you know what? Make sure in the middle of the day, you focus on these three things for the business because it's time to work on these three things. So in a five hour span of what, you know, 16 hours awake that you have, you got all that stuff worked on. Did you solve all the problems today? No, you're not trying to solve them all today, but you're trying to get some progress in each one of them. And if you schedule and your life tells you what you need to do that day, then lo and behold, you can work on all of it at the exact same time.
0: Damn, I love that. It's a completely different mindset to what you, you, you're you're hearing nowadays, especially.
1: And it works, the, the one thing works, and let me run, there are, should be a main core focus. At the same time, bro, like, you could do more than one thing. Like, it's weird that people try to only do one. It's like, what are you going to do the rest of the day? What happens, what happens the rest yeah, of th- the day? You can't work out all day long.
0: <laughs> I think it's more like uh, to, to not push themselves. But again, I don't think that people are um, conscious that they can push themselves way harder than they actually can.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It, it's uncomfortable. And I think there's not a, le- a level of certainty for a lot of folks. Like, there's because they don't plan it out, they're like, there's no certainty that what I, if I do this really hard right now, it's gonna work out. So why give all of my all if I'm not for sure? You know, like-
0: Mm. Unknown unknowns.
1: Unknown, yeah, right? I played sports and I knew that if I went out there and ran as hard as I could, as fast as I could, that I could win this game. There was certainty to it. But if I'm just living my life, there's no certainty that if I run real hard and real fast all day, that I'm gonna get there. Because we've done that and we found like, ah, I didn't get anywhere. We so already have that built-in skepticism, and realistically, a lot of the time, it was just you didn't plan properly. You, the, the game of life, does not have a clear scoreboard, you know. And if you don't clarify your scoreboard, you could be running real hard in the wrong direction.
0: Mm-hmm. This this comes up to a question I actually li- like to ask this to a few people because everyone has their different opinion to it, and it's it's a simple question. You, you've probably thought of it. It's um, are
1: you afraid of dying? No, I don't, I don't want to die. You know, there's a different scene. Okay. I don't want to die, but I'm not afraid of dying. I, Cause you know, here's the thing. I there's, there's I guess there's a couple levels of this. One, I'm a man of faith and I believe I live my life in a way that's, that's clean and honor and I have a relationship with my Christ, my God. Right. So if I do, mm-hmm. I'm going to a good place. That's my belief. Is it right or is it wrong? I don't care. Anybody else thinks I know what I believe. Right. So I'm not I'm not afraid of dying. Do I want to die? Like, no, because this earth was created for us to live on it. You know, and I want to be here as long as I can. And I want to experience cool things like why not want to do that? And if I if I go now, all my cool people are going to be still here. I got to wait for them. I don't want to wait. I don't want to be at the bus stop waiting for them. So part of that. But at the same time, I know there are things that I'm supposed to do while I'm here. But I also live my life every day in a way to where I'm doing those things daily. I may not have crossed that, that ultimate finish line, that, that big mountaintop thing, but who, who knows I'm supposed to or not, you know, but I don't waste, I don't waste my days. There are very few days that I sit and do nothing or don't make progress. Okay. And, and it's who I am. It doesn't drain me. It fills me up to do the things that I do. So for me, like, no, I'm, I'm not afraid of dying. I don't want to die, but I'm not, I'm not, I don't live my life in a space of like, oh, if I died, it'd be horrible and crazy i missed stuff like no you know it would have been my time
0: okay so you're not afraid that you haven't experienced enough
1: no no i mean i i want to experience a whole hell of a lot more but i'm not like deathly afraid of it no
0: okay in, in regards you, you talk you touched upon it that you you take your day into like you do all the things that you like to do on the day and you feel like you you are you are structuring your life according to the things that you want to do mm-hmm. and essentially now you are an identity shift coach and i was wondering what was your calling towards that when was the day that you're like okay i am doing this specifically also identity shift coach? or if i were to be simon Sinek, i would essentially ask you what is your why
1: yeah i mean i don't know if the why it's weird I think that we all like live lives and all of a sudden we end up across, you know, coming across something or realize we've done something that other people haven't done. And then you go, oh, maybe, maybe I can share that with the world. So for me, like I went through a lot of different shifts of my identity or a lot of moments that should have heavily shifted my identity. And many did, you know. And the thing is, for a lot of people, those things are enough to keep them stuck forever. Like there are people that I know that have experienced some of the things I have, and they're still there, you know, like they're still in that funky place. They haven't come out of it yet. And it's it's mm-hmm. unfortunate because they don't have to be there, but they're, they're still there. And for me, like I just, I was able to move past a lot of them, you know, people passing away or losing my career or getting divorced or business not doing so well. And people never recover from it, but I did. And so I think what ended up happening is I got to this point where I recounted it. I went and looked at it and talked about it in ways that other people didn't talk about. And in doing so, you start finding out that there's this this interesting sweet spot. And the sweet spot's pretty simple. The sweet spot's a space where I or anybody does something that they love to do. And other people love that they do it. So when you ask, what's my why? Like, I don't know if there's a definitive like, this is why I get up in the world. There are some things that like, this is what I believe I'm here to do and I love doing it. But I believe that there's something that I, I'm in a great space of. I love doing this. I love this. And other people, they love that I do it. So it's like, all right, everybody's winning. Let's play that game.
0: I love that. I love that. You you touched upon a little bit as well, uh, on some people staying stuck. And when I think of like your whole concept identity shift and I think of other people, also like people that, that are that are stuck I think of people thinking, okay, if I'm shifting my own identity, am I not cheating on myself? Isn't identity supposed to be something that is finite? Like this is just the way I am?
1: No, it never has been for anybody. Are you the same person you were at 9 years old? Hell no. Are yeah, right? And and it's that's a natural progression. We all every we're we go from grade to grade. We're different at four years old and five years old. And hey, you're a 10 year old now. You're a, you're a sophomore now. You're a blank now. My son's a senior in high school. You're a senior now. Those are all just different. Those are different versions of an identity. There's no, there's, you're never cheating on yourself. You're, you're becoming more of yourself. There's an interesting thing. Uh, I don't know who I learned it from, but si- like if you go to like the neuroscience, whenever you're met with difficulty or hardship, your brain actually like, it cracks open some of the genetic code and some new like cells release and some new proteins. And in fact, more of your genetic code is released. So difficulty, Ooh. hardship increases who you are. It actually, it releases more of who you are. Genuinely, at a scientific level, more of who you are is released in difficulty and hardship. And the, the more we're in life, the more difficulty and hardship we naturally are experiencing. So at a scientific level, you are becoming more all the time. And you're not cheating on yourself. You're you're going with the natural order of of life and flow. And an identity is something that we all have. And it's always been fluid. It's always been moving. The problem is at some point in time, our identity doesn't match our dream. And then we wonder, like, why am I not where I want to be? It's like, well, because you have this dream that's at a certain level. And your assumption is who you are right now is who you're always going to be. So what we do is we stop. We stop putting ourselves in positions to feel the stress to release more of who we are to level up our identity to the version of that dream we have. And so we find ways to stagnate, make excuses, sit small. We'll do the same thing every day, but we're not doing that that next level thing. Therefore, you never expand into the next level of you. There is a control because the same mechanics of how a shift takes place, they they operate whether it's intentional or unintentional. It's it's just the nature. It's that's like a law of of how we work as humans. The more you do something, the more it becomes who you are. You know, it's it's just how it works. That's why you can have someone who you know is a school teacher that all of a sudden goes off to join the military and they become a soldier. Right? It's just that's the law. It's just what's going to happen, and it's all by repetition. So most of the time, you're right. We do it as kids with teachers, preachers, coaches, leaders. You know, television, TVs, movies. It's all the same stuff. And so what ends up happening is we just do it. Now, no one usually thinks of doing it proactively. Nobody go- usually goes and says, what if I choose what, what I'm doing? What if I choose the inputs of this to where it becomes the output I desire? And when you do that, you actually find a way to have more of what you specifically want, not more of what the byproduct is of the you know, unintentional efforts mm-hmm. you gave were.
0: That's That makes definitely sense. What is the biggest misconception about shifting your identity
1: that you're changing you yourself I think people people think you're changing yourself and they also think it's mindset and it's not identity is not mindset identity is it's a core root of who you are and part of that is a mindset right the part of you is a mind- but the funny thing is is you don't see. Like, and people could say, how are you so successful? They don't, they go like, I work real hard. I get things done. I, I don't know. I just, I just, it's who I am to do these things. They don't go, I have a great mindset. Like, that's not, that's not typically what you hear. Some don't go, I, I got a great, great mindset. It's why I do what I do. Right. And the reality is, is like, typically ends up being something where like, it's, it's just a piece of their identity that, that is expressed in that way almost naturally. And then. I think that the idea of change is heavy for people. People go, I don't want to change who I am. What are you talking about? Change my identity, be a different person. It's like, no, 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 it's a shift. It's not a matter of like, like my wife, my wife from 16 years old till now, she's damn near the same person, but 80% of her is just different. And that difference is how she communicates, how she accepts difficulty and faults, how she attacks problems, how she loves (laughs) on the kids, how she loves on me. How she shows up for herself, how she takes care of herself, you know, how how she may communicate certain ideas. Like there's just there's things that over time you shift. So someone goes, Mm -hmm. Oh, aren't you that person that was like at one point she was just Christina, you know, my my girlfriend or my wife or you know, whoever she was. And then she's like, Oh, you're you're a mom. Now she's a mom. Same person, but there's a part of her identity that's shifted to now she's a mom. Then she starts opening businesses. Oh, you're a business owner. Like there's a different edition of the identity. She's still Christina. She's still the same person. She's not this all of a sudden different human. She's the same person with different shifts of her identity.
0: I love that. It, it It's sort of, I don't know if that makes any sense, but it's really like the core that drives her, right?
1: I mean, there there is a desire and a, a need for all of us to stay in alignment with who we believe ourselves to be. So there is that alignment portion for all of us. And as long as you're in alignment with who you see yourself to be at your core, you can do different things, try different stuff. As long as you go to bed at night, go like, you know, I still like me. I'm, I'm good inside. That's why when people all of a sudden, like, you know, maybe you take somebody's life. I've never done that before. I don't know. Maybe you do that. Like you've now done something that doesn't feel like it's you. You feel way out of alignment. So guilt creeps in, you know, you start to self-sabotage, you get quiet, like, it would change the way you operate. You see, in movies, it just it adjusts. They put it in movies because it's a real human thing. It's not who I am. It's out of character. It's awkward. Like it's just different. Or people who—the reason I think why people that win the lottery, all of a sudden, like life goes crazy, because it's not who they are to have all that kind of money. They—they didn't—they didn't build into be the person that can handle 150 million dollars. They, They—they—that's not their identity. That's why if your identity doesn't match the dream, it goes sideways. That's why there's so many videos and, and documentaries on people that win the lottery, their life falling apart. like it's not always a great thing, man, because then you get all this this you get all this stuff that that maybe the base of you doesn't believe you deserve other people tell you you don't deserve, right, or you don't have the skill sets to steward and manage it. so it's like you just get overwhelmed and it's outside of your current identity so yeah, this is an interesting dynamic, man, where a lot of different things all kind of intermix there.
0: Yeah, you're not prepared, basically, right?
1: For sure, ill-prepared, you can call it that.
0: What is the... If we are to embark on a journey of shifting our identity, Mm -hmm. uh, consciously, in this case, because unconsciously we can't do much about it, but consciously, what is the one thing that we need to love about the process?
1: The process? Oh, man, you got to love the days. You just got to fall in love with the days, man. And you have to attach your identity to the, the, the effort, not the outcome. Cause there, there's going to be Makes outcomes sense. and we desire the outcome. But if you're only attaching it to the day or sorry, to the outcome, then what happens every day you finish a day, not feeling like you accomplished much or feeling less than, and that's not a good place to be, man. So I'm really big on like, I try to attach my, my sense of self-worth or my identity in any way. I try and attach it to, did I do the right work today? Like, did mm-hmm. I do what needed to be done? Cause then and you ask like, well, are you afraid of dying? I'm like, I would be afraid of dying if I only felt like I was accomplished when I reached the outcome. But I love my days, man. Like I love I love how everything flows, I love the fluidity of it. So like I'm I'm in love with it. So I'm good, you know. It's that's why it's not a fear because every day I'm doing things I love, even if it's things that I I made it on paper love, right? I love finding something within it to love, we'll call it. So it's just a journey, man. It's it's a process and I do enjoy the process.
0: Do do you have to Learn how to love certain things that you initially didn't like.
1: Yeah, that's a, yeah. You have to. It's love's an emotion, man, but it's also a, a verb, and the verb leads to the emotion. Mm-hmm. The action of doing something or loving something leads to the emotion of it, right? So when people are like relationships that fall apart, it's like I want. I just want to have that spark. You want the spark? Go do things that would bring like the spark, or go do things that if you had the spark, you would do, right? And it sounds odd. They go, well, I don't have the energy, the emotion. Like, yeah, of course you don't. But like, for example, I, I have kids. When, when kids are born, they don't give me anything. They, they poop and they cry and they, they don't sleep. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's, it's a horrible. This little, this little being is not, not fun. But I deeply love it. You know what I'm saying? Like, think about that. We love these little things. to, to uh, Faults, right? These little babies. Why is that? Because you're loving it giving of energy and giving of actions that develops that emotion of love. The return is that. So it's the same thing for any emotion. It's like I got to go and do that thing in that direction to return this. So when you go out and you find this action you don't want to do, and like I hate doing it, well, yeah, if you give it energy and and you're you're hating the whole time, it's going to suck. But if you go and say, I want to find a way to love this, I'm going to give loving energy to it. It's very interesting that all of a sudden, you fall in love with it.
0: How, how, how do you do that? Because it sounds, it sounds easy, but I, I'm pretty sure it's, it isn't, right? Finding the things that you love in something that initially in your mindset is something that, well, you're supposed to hate.
1: Yeah, well, you'd go... You'd go do, do you have an example? Yeah, I mean, anything you're looking for, you'll find. So if you go looking for something you don't like, you will find something you don't like. Your brain is oh, very yeah. good. Your, your brain's like a little search and find tool. It's a predictive tool. It wants to predict what's coming. It'll go seeking something that you set it on. So if you're like, I hate this. I don't want to go out here and clean this. Like for me, here's an example. My son, he does, he picks up poop. He hates the poop. His brain said, ah, oh, poop. Oh, I hate this. And it's weird. My initial thought in my head is like, you know what? I would find a way to listen to some really cool music and then go pick up poop. So then it gives me a reason to get to listen to this music. It's a really odd thing, but I'll find a way to love this thing I do. I'll, I'll find a way. My wife. She hates going with me places to do stuff with my my people and my work. She's like, I don't want to go meet new people. I just want to sit at home. I don't want to meet new people. Totally get it. But I go and meet her people all the time. I hang out with her friends. I do stuff. And I don't I don't always like all of her friends, right? But I will go there and find ways to be happy. I'll try. I actually give effort. Like I'll, I'll have conversations and I'll talk about stuff and I'll enjoy myself because I, I gave the effort with intention. I told my brain, hey. Go find something you like, and lo and behold, it finds something it likes.
0: I love that. I think you, you've, uh, you've blown some brains right here, to be honest. I have one question, and I think uh, you are the perfect person to ask this question to, especially through your experiences. How does one learn to love unconditionally?
1: Love unconditionally? I don't know if you. Oh, it's weird. I don't know if you'd learn. How can you learn to love unconditionally? I think if you, my, I'm just gonna go off and give you an idea of what I think it might be. This doesn't mean it's for sure the truth because I've never been asked this question. And I'm thinking of it in real time. So my, when I think unconditional, it's to love without without condition, right? To do it full bore, without condition. And I think it's whenever you're able to pour out. And that's good enough. Like just giving like it's like if if you are content, genuinely content with giving the gift and not getting a gift back. Like if giving of the gift feels better than receiving the gift, I think you're living in that that space of unconditional love. Because unconditional love means I'm going to give it to you. Doesn't matter what you do. I'm going to give it to you. You're my kid. Like I unconditionally love my children and me loving on my children, taking them places, even if they don't say thank you. I'm still going to do it. I'm gonna be like, "Hey, bro, you should probably say thank you," and and, you know that's gonna have a conversation. But like, I'm still gonna do it. I'm not gonna be like, "You didn't say thank you. I'm not doing it. I'm only only gonna love you when when you do this thing for me, right?" So I think it ends up being is like I've got to get to the point where I'm I'm not, I'm not even worried about or I don't even think about what the return of my action is gonna be if I am happy by just doing the action of loving. I think that's how you get to the point of having that unconditional love, but it's, it's a journey. How do you get there? I think you reframe what the outcome should be for you. You reframe what your return should be. If you can reframe the aspect of like, I'm doing this so I can get this. Like, if the means to my end is, is, is not based on the person giving me something, I'm in a better headspace and I think you do things differently. Like, if the means is to love and the end is to give love. Then my means met the end, and I'm happy. But I think when the end goes beyond that, and you're doing it to get something for yourself, you'll never learn unconditional love.
0: Like I see why you're why you're a motivational speaker. Like, yeah, on the spot. I hate the <laughs>
1: I hate the moniker too because I don't even think I'm a motivational speaker. I don't. Even, I, I don't. I, cause the thing is though. You put, that's the box I get put into. Oh, he's a motivational speaker. In my head, I'm like, bro, I don't even know if I'm motivational at all. I just tell people things that come into my brain. But you know what I do, though? I think a lot. I think that I, I think more than most people think, if that makes sense. I don't believe my mm-hmm. thoughts are better. Not My thoughts aren't. Some are. There's some good thoughts. But I spend time thinking. I just, I'll sit here and just look up into the sky and I'll think about stuff. And I think everybody else spends time in their phone consuming other people's thoughts. So I just have different thoughts and I can connect the dots in real time and go, oh, I've thought this before and that happened. And I just, I, it comes out of my face and then it works and sometimes it doesn't. Have, have you always been like that? Yeah, I've been curious. I'm the, I'm, the, I'm the curious guy who has a bunch of weird information about stuff that I shouldn't have information about. Like I end up <clears throat> always having like people ask me questions that I have odd answers because I know the answer. 'Cause I watch documentaries, <laughs> I do stuff. Cause I like to just uh it's like I wanna have a bunch of ingredients in the kitchen so that when I when I Ooh. share the thought of the meal, there's there's a little bit more seasoning to it. That's all.
0: Ah, that's exciting. I love that. And the the other thing is as well, you, you just said like we well, I, I put you in a box by saying that. Like you you're your motivational speaker. But um you have to. Well, the thing is, how, how would we live life without putting people in boxes? It's the, it's the way our brain works because our brain loves to... I mean, there is a, there is a reason why we have knives and knives and, and forks in our kitchen and not in our bathroom. That's the same reason why we put people in the boxes.
1: Yeah, you kind of have to have the, the separation. There's, there's a place for everything. Our brains are built to be structured and organized or we just taught ourselves to make our brains do this because most brains are creative and they think out of the box. I don't know, man. You know what I think? I think that we are stupid in comparison to our, you know, our ancestral counterparts. And I think, I think this because, and most people look at like old timey people like they must've been idiots. Really though? I mean, really think about the things that they created. They created an entire country and a constitution and all this weird stuff. It's, it's got a little, it's got flaws obviously. But nowadays when you're bored, you put your face into a phone, you play a game You don't do any kind of, you know, cognitive rigor for concepts. You're not doing, you know, critical thinking. None of that's going on. We're just, we let our brain vegetate. We consume stuff, right? And a small subset of the population creates these crazy intricate things that allow us to have the ability to do that, to veg out on stuff. And in my head, I'm like, back in the day, people used to just sit there and talk to each other. And I mean, like, legitimately, there was no TV. And entertainment was me and you talking, thinking about stuff, expanding yeah. on things. Why did this happen? Doing experiments, research. That was it. Work with my hands, creating things, learning stuff. There were, I think the, like our, I, this is my opinion. I may be dead wrong, but I feel like if you put us up against our ancestors, we would lose like 10 times out of 10 damn near in like mental, we we'll call mental competitions. Given the same information, if we had the same, obviously, we they, we now know more about science and the body than we knew back then, obviously, right? There's more information. But I think sheer intelligence, that th- they may have exercised the brain better than we do because they were using it more. So for me, it's like the way I do it is I, I just sit and think about stuff and then, and people call me smart. Oh, you're smart. Am I really though? Like, am I? Am I really, or am I just using this thing that no one else is using in a way that no one else is using it? I don't, I don't think that I'm this incredibly, like, I'm sure I'm smart, but I'm only smart in comparison, right, to certain demographics or majorities. And the reality is, is I'm, I'm no different, I'm just a guy that, that just thinks. So yeah, it's an interesting conversation. You ever heard that movie Uh, called, uh, Idiocracy? No. It's not a great one. It's a, it's a stupid movie. It's like this, this guy, he gets put in this, uh, I don't know, like a time capsule and then the time capsule, like he gets tucked away somewhere and then he wakes up like thousands of years later and everybody's stupid and he's a genius, (laughs) you know, like he's a, he's a regular guy, but he's a genius. And it's like, he's only a genius because of the comparison to the fact that everybody else is stupid, right? That that's really what it is. So I almost feel like maybe that they made that movie with the concept of like an expansion, extrapolation, like maybe we're like that. Maybe we just don't do the critical thinking and everything that everybody else should.
0: Yeah, but but like you've got a point because like I I think it used to be in like the Greeks or Romans they were able to memorize X and X amount of things due to like I I've read like a few books on like I'm very interested in like reading faster. And like all these methodologies and methods that you can use and also memory. And like they use all these different mind maps and, and stuff. And nowadays yeah. we write it on our phone. So if we were to, to, to be challenged against our ancestors and we were not able to use our phones, I, I think I'm, I'm on, on your side of, of, uh, of this.
1: Scary. Yeah.
0: Yeah, but it's interesting though because like, we, we, by knowing that we can also change something. True. Um, I have some final questions for you. All right. And these are a little bit different in the way that if anyone would just tune in onto the podcast right now, these would be like of tremendous value. It doesn't mean that you didn't provide any tremendous value before, but if they had to only listen this and they would have to be answered in as short as possible
1: short as possible okay okay rapid knowledgeable fire
0: so the first question is actually split into three but it's like three questions and uh there's only one part which is changed all the time okay so what is the biggest lesson that you have learned from one your childhood and foster care two your relationship with your high high school sweetheart Mm -hmm. and three with coaching and serving others
1: So the the biggest lesson from childhood, I would say, is uh, resiliency. Like, it's just, it's not going to kill you if you don't let it. So you got to find a way. Like, it's not going to kill you if you don't let it, man. So be resilient. I would say the relationship is, uh, it's that the other person in a relationship is the puzzle you chose to solve. Ooh. And it's not. It's nobody else's puzzle, man. It's your puzzle. So if you don't like it, like, hey, you picked it, bro. Figure it out. You know, like, but you don't throw the puzzle away. You just you choose to find and you enjoy the puzzle. You find ways to enjoy figuring the puzzle out. And the third one was business, you said? What was the third one? Uh yeah, coaching and serving others. Oh, what was the biggest lesson I learned? Um, There's a lot of lessons there, man. What's
0: the one that comes? straight away i would say that
1: it's it's uh that what i think is valuable is not always what's valuable the person gets to determine that
0: Ooh, interesting
1: so people try to create stuff and give people stuff because they think they need it it's like bro it's only valuable if i if i think it is
0: that is that is deep another two questions yep what is the best advice that you've ever been given
1: Best advice I've ever been given I would say it takes a little more to be a champion. My coach in college said that one it's that it's that inherent like if I talk about identity and we're growing, you ask like you know when do you know you've made it like you never have it's always a moving ball it's it's always so anytime you feel like you've arrived, it takes a little bit more It's a consistent push to be better
0: nice and the last one is what is the one advice that you will leave? the audience with today
1: the one piece of advice for the audience uh my secret thing man i would just say makeshift happen i think it's uh you don't you don't say makeshift happen you know at like big level if you just went out and like I right, I guys i went and bought the book and i made the movie or watched the movie i mean all right i had a, i made a good meal like you do that when you've done something amazing you've made something unexpected happen and so when i when i think about that i think life is lived at a higher level when you're experiencing those higher emotions the kind of emotion present when you go man i made that shift happen
0: i love that man i love that anthony i i appreciate you having been on the podcast for everyone who's listening to this and wants to know more about anthony go check up his website anthonytrucks.com uh, everywhere on social media, also Anthony Trucks, and please do not forget to buy his upcoming book coming out in late August. It's coming out in identity Come, yeah, shift
1: a couple days, man. And if they, if they go to identityshiftbook dot they can get it. And if they use the code muse M U Z E for obvious reasons, then uh, they'll also get the audio book, the digital book, and a workbook.
0: Damn! Thanks a lot, man. I appreciate it. Honestly, like from from like a pre, pure genuine point of view, I really appreciate you as like what you're bringing out into like into the world and appreciate having you on the podcast and and giving the value to especially my audience here in Luxembourg, man.
1: Welcome, man. I appreciate it. Happy to happy to come hang out with you today.
0: Thanks, man. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Muse. I just want to say that I am tremendously grateful for everyone who's exchanging their time to listen to this episode or to listen to Muse in general. Thank you so much for being part of the Muse crew. I appreciate everyone who's giving feedback, who's sharing this on on social media, who's sharing this with one of their friends, their family members, whatever you do. I just wanted to say that and I've taken enough of your valuable time and um, yeah...